Hello and a very warm welcome to this, the latest edition of the Backstreet Boys and Girl podcast. I was going to say how exciting to have the whole gang back together, but we are, alas, just two of the three musketeers for the start <laughs> of this episode. Bear has been somewhat waylaid and slightly worryingly has also promised not to know anything about anything when he does get here. But <laughs> His excuse is jet lag, but yeah. <laughs> but... Hell, we get things wrong all the time anyway. Let's crack on. <laughs> Just the two of us. I am Claire. I'm Jodie. And today we're going to be casting our eyes back at the Diamond League season, which culminated in Zurich and Brussels a couple of weeks ago, taking a peek at the British Athletics squad for Doha. The athletes are all out there. It is about a week away now. Yeah. How did that happen? I know. Where has that <laughs> snuck up from? Um, and doing a couple of little bits of odds and sods before signing off and getting ready for our big Doha preview pod, which we are recording with a mystery guest Ooh. on Monday. Hi, I'm Holly Bradshaw and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. So Jodie, the 10th Diamond League season has come to an end. In a nutshell, what were your thoughts? As always, like we always get a little bit annoyed with the Diamond League because mm-hmm. it's too long. I can't differentiate one race, one one thing from the other. The whole diamond race thing doesn't make any sense. Also, the fact that it's just been ten years, they just changed the name and called it the Diamond <laughs> yeah, League. It was, the, it was something. What was it? The Golden Don Spike. The, no. What was it for? The Golden. They just. It's like the, you know when they changed the Premier League. It used to be the First Division. Change it to the Premier League. Think it's a different thing. Mm. Anyway. Um, so, as far as I'm concerned, it's been going on since the 80s. Um, so, but overall, I think it's been a good year. There's been some really good performances. Um, the Diamond League finals, I thought, were quite strong. Um, but once again, I just can't differentiate. So you're going to tell me stuff that happened back in May, and I'm going to be like, God, I don't remember that. It does all definitely, <laughs> definitely blow into one. And also not helped by the fact, and we are always bitching about this, that they're all on different days mm. and irregularly spaced out. So mm. I always miss a few. Yeah, absolutely. Every year. I always completely miss a Diamond League. And then you're just catching up over video highlights and Twitter and it's just not the same. I do wish there were more regularity to it. But I do think better than previous years. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. I think there was stronger overall meets last year. There were some astonishing meets last year, wasn't there? Oh, my God, yeah. What Um, was that one that was the best one ever? Was it in... Monaco for middle distance. But was it Shanghai, Shanghai. the opening one? Yeah, I think so. You get a PB. You get a PB. (laughs) (laughs) But also, this year's been so long because it started really early. It started in May, I think. And... um, it's dragged on till September, and we've still got the World Championships to come. So it's been a long old year, so trying to remember right back to the beginning is, is going to be tough. Well, let's save ourselves the embarrassment that that would entail <laughs> by trying to cast our minds back. Let's just take a peek at the finals, yes. I reckon. Now, for the last time, we have got two separate final yeah. evenings. So there are 32 Diamond League trophies to be handed out, and they did 16, I think, upon each evening. Thank Christ they disposed of last year's nonsense where they had back-to-back finals. Do you remember? Oh, people had to jump on a coach. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Ibargua and had to win the long jump one night and then literally fly the next morning and get a, you know, like a National Express coach or something (laughs) to then go and win the Ridiculous, yeah. (laughs) So they got rid of that, which is great. But I do think it will be all the stronger next year for them all being contested in one night. So what are they doing? 32 events on the one night? one night. What? It's going to be in a 150-minute program what so i know two and a half hours 
They'll have to have simultaneous <laughs> events. <laughs> I think that sounds loads of fun. I mean, Love that. Maybe it won't give us enough time to like actually work out what's actually just happened before we've moved on mm, to the next. Yeah. But that sounds fun. You know what they'll do is they'll decide that not only are 5,000 is boring, but 1,500 yeah, is boring we'll as well. So just, just have sprints. Exactly. Yeah, 103 to 800 But meters. not over two nights. Couldn't they just do two nights in Zurich? I'm sure they could because Zurich sells out every yeah. single year. Surely they could. Or you could just do a ticket discount for two evenings. But doesn't evenings. Diamond League start in April next year as well? Does it? It's, it starts ridiculously early for some reason, yeah. Well, I guess because of the Olympics. When's the Olympics? In July? Uh, August. Right. Late July, early August. Oh, and the Diamond League's going to finish before the Olympics, isn't it? I guess so. Isn't that... Have I just made that up? I th- surely they must be. <laughs> But that's one thing that I really actually enjoyed about this year's Diamond League was it finishing before the major championships yeah. because it always feels a little bit like an afterthought. Absolutely. Loads of the big names aren't there because they're resting and actually I can't, uh, I can't remember the stat but it's something like in every field like the eight people competing like on average they were like eight of the best ten in the world this year. So the fields were really stacked. They were really high calibre. They were very rarely having to invite people and drag them in off the streets to compete. I want to have a little chat about that in oh, a second. really? Because I, I, some of those fields, some of those, just the randoms who were in those fields, mm. I know there's this whole procedure where you get points over the season, but it's not very clear, is it? No. Like who's qualified and mm-hmm. who hasn't qualified and who needs to do what to qualify. And then... If long as you qualify and win, then you win the overall diamond league. Even if you came last or yeah, got an invite, that's mad. so it's mm. it's not really a league, is it? It's not like a like a Grand Prix, like mm. so where you get points over the season. When I understand why, because sometimes the person has won halfway through the season, and that that's boring. Yeah, but I do feel this this something needs to be tighter or better explained about who's going to get to the finals. Yes. Well, do you remember when I interviewed Tiana Barcelletta a couple of years ago? And I think she might be one of the brightest, most yes. clever athletes on the planet. She didn't understand what no. was required to make the Diamond League final. And I don't think it was her, but one of her fellow long jumpers actually missed out of the final because of a mathematical miscalculation. Like, that should not be the case. Yeah, and, but this year also, I feel like there's quite a few people who just didn't go. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think mm-hmm. it's clear, clear enough to athletes or to fans what the point of it is. When you're qualified, who qualifies? We need, when someone's qualified, it should be a big deal. Yes, yeah. I've got to the final. And at the actual finals, they are kind of putting people in. They put Nathy in the high jump, which I don't have a problem with because it was in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And obviously she's one of the biggest in the world. And it's and the event that she is the most, she's second in the world. So she does deserve to be there. But if she won, she, did, she had done no high jumps in the Diamond League throughout the year, I don't believe. So, I don't remember one, no. So I, I, it's those kind of like when they just kind of change the rules every now and then doesn't make a lot of sense and doesn't help build confidence in the Diamond League as a... As a product. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to talk about notable performances from the finals and I started looking over the lists and thinking, like, okay, what really stood out for me? I wrote down eight names. <laughs> that's, ba- that, that's literally a quarter of the competition. So on, Tell me and see if I can remember what, the, what, what happened. Okay, Noah Lyles. Double. Dub- exactly, doubling up. I just think, as we always say, the men's sprints are not setting anything on fire right now. And yet this is an athlete with personality, Absolutely. real performance. I mean, 986 and 1950, he's ran over both those disciplines this year. Like, he is just so incorrigible and so much fun yeah. and he's such a showman and we need more people like that in the sprints. And I think, he's- yeah, I think after the 200, um, was that in, when was that, in Brussels? Uh, yes. Yeah, one of the races he won anyway. I, I, I put Noah Lyles is the only male sprinter I have any interest in. Mm, I wrote on Twitter. Yeah. I was like, why? And I'm like, 
I couldn't care less about the 100 metres. The 200 metres is a little bit more interesting. Mm. But Noah Lyles is a breath of fresh air. Completely. And now everyone says, oh, the new Usain Bolt, like, about any sprinter that comes along. Mm. He's not the new Usain Very Bolt. Very different personalities. But, but he has a personality. Yes. Which is much more, you can say, for Christian mm. Coleman or any other, like, yeah. dullards that run 100 metres. So I love, I love Noah Lyles. I wish him all the best. Mm. I wish he would double up. Yeah. I I, well, I, for, for, we could talk about this in, in the preview of um, Doha when I'm sure we'll talk about all the events. I wish Noah Lyles would, would double up, number one, because I really like him, but also he could... Um, he could definitely do the double, yeah. especially if he drinks a lot before the race because he said that his 100 metres he won because he needed a wee so Oh, yeah, to run off. <laughs> <laughs> so he like, pegged it off. And then my other, my next notable was also from the sprint and how wonderful to have a British women's 100 metre oh. diamond champion. <laughs> Well, I know we talk about Dina every single podcast, but I couldn't love her more. And then I find out that I can. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fantastic performance. Like, she's had also, we were saying how it's not really a league, it's not about accumulating results, but the series yeah. that Dina has put together in both the 100s and the 200s on the Diamond League this year, she has proven over and over that she is a world-class talent. I wonder, and this is something they used to do at the Diamond League, you used to have individual champions, then you'd have an overall champion. Yeah. The person who'd won that got the most... Points over the whole year, which I is think in, they've done no, that. which encourages people to compete mm. a lot. And also, if it was a tie on points, it was a, the person who performed the best at the final. I wonder how many points Dina's got this year because she seems to have competed an awful lot. And I wonder if there's anybody who's competed as much as her because she's been doing it from the very beginning of the season. I think that's a really good point. I wouldn't be surprised at all if she were right up there because you used to have the overall champion; they'd win a million dollars, and that was something to write home about. I remember Gabby Zabo doing it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that that for me is a much more. It's good to have all the events. We and I understand there's there's a uh, limited amount of money, and if you're going to have thirty two events, you've got to pay thirty. That's I can't do the maths. Mm. <laughs> 1.6 million I th- think is it is it 50 yes, it each yes it is yeah well um, but having said that for PR purposes having mm. one overall champion makes a lot of sense 100% mm. and then you pin you've got a face upon which to yeah. pin things because you can't pin it on 32 and also encourages people to continue to yeah. compete to compete often to go for um, high performing um, high scoring uh, what am I trying to say to, to perform at a high level as well, in the sense mm. that because at the end, the person who's the highest with the best performance gets the money. But anyway, that's just an idea that I think would help to really differentiate the, like the Diamond League. Mm, definitely could be made more of. Also, speaking of performance, so terrific to see her start looking so electric, particularly next to Shelley Ann Fraser Price, well, who's the queen of the start. This is the thing, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Shauna in a minute. Oh, yeah, she's <laughs> next. She is next. Um, but Dina came second in the 200 to Shauna. 28. Exactly. So mm. we're thinking, like, amazing. 200 has always been her stronger event. Traditionally, I mean, mm. I think maybe maybe now we could that's arguable. But against Shelley Ann, she lost to Shelley Ann, was it in... Birmingham? Birmingham, yeah. Or, or was it... Was it in uh, London? Anyway, yeah. Shelly Ann is back and she's back in a big way this year. And when Shelly Ann gets out, very rarely do people catch her. Mm-hmm. But Dina did two amazing things in that 100 metre race. Number one, she got out ahead of Shelly Ann, which is just insane. And visibly rattled her as yes. well. She did not like and that. Then, but Shelly Ann closed on her and then Dina went away again. Yeah. So that shows you not just about how ready she is, but what a great performance head she has on. Yes. Because number one, getting out of head to Shelley, which she's not, not used to, puts the pressure on her. And people perform very differently when there's pressure put on them. So that is really important. But then for someone of that calibre to come up on your shoulder and for you to not 
start Tyson. straining or tighten mm. just to keep doing your thing and to win by a, around a metre, considering it wasn't close. Yeah. I mean, it was so impressive. And going into Doha, she's def- definitely up for two medals. And, um, and Shawnee's not doing the 200, so she's the favourite for the 200, mm. according to the bookies. Well, imagine the... Br- I'm just, I just can't even get the words to come out. Joji, just for context, Joji is clutching a sofa cushion right now at the excitement of Gina coming home with three medals. But, no, but imagine if she came home with even one goal, but imagine if she came home if she did the double. I mean, she absolutely could. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's a great four by one squad. Yeah. Oh, Gina, come on. We are rooting so hard for you. Journalistic objectivity just doesn't come into play when you're on the track. Oh. Is there, other than perhaps the women's heptathlon, any more nailed on one two at Doha than the women's four hundred with Shawnee Miller and NASA? No, and especially as the Nigerian girl, what's her name? Oh, I don't know. You know the one who almost beat NASA. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know her name. The really young one. Mm-hmm. She's not running the four hundred meters. Is she not? She's only running the two hundred meters. That's interesting. Guess what? why? Oh, this is not true, but this is what people are saying. I don't know why. Because there's the new rule that says Casta Semenya can't run in any event from 400 to, to 1500, right? Mm-hmm. There is talk. <gasps> really? That this lady might have the same issues that Casta Semenya had, so she can only compete in the 200. I don't know if that's true or not. I wouldn't be surprised. That's very, very interesting. I wonder if we'll see any other... Well, we've already seen... Um, is it Margaret Wambui? Yeah. Um, is it now competing? And a couple of the, couple of the Kenyans have mm. put, uh, pulled out the team. So That's there's going to be more of this and it's going to be confusing for everybody involved. And it's such a, a personal issue as well. I think yeah. the lack of clarity is completely understandable, but it's only going to confuse matters. Yeah. But yes, NASA, I love. Every time she's run this year when Shawnee hasn't run, I've made her my team captain pretty much and she's brought the goods home. But Shawnee Miller used the word impressive to describe Dina. I'd say Shawnee is imperious. <laughs> it's... It's almost like she's a different species, isn't it? I think she was made by like scientists in a lab <laughs> to be the perfect sprinter. She reminds me of Usain Bolt in mm. the sense that she's because often when people are really tall, mm. they have difficult like they like they're not as snappy. Yeah, and just coordination. Make, yeah, there, no either. coordination, mm. and also just they have to they take a long time to get up to top speed. Shawnee doesn't seem to do that at all. She's with everybody at hundred around the bend in the hundred in the two hundred, and then she just pulls away because of her strength. But like you said about the um, the four hundred meters, those two are head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, is it Shakira Wimbley from America? Yes, she's probably mm-hmm. favourite for bronze, I guess. But then you've also got um, Sherika Jackson. Sherika Jackson, who won, won one fast 400 this year, but hasn't looked yeah. particularly impressive. I was taking a look, you're right, she's got one that's about fifth in the world this year, but otherwise she's just nothing. Yeah, so that's, there's, there's some really strong events in Doha, and there's some quite weak ones. The heptathlon, like you said, the top two are so head and shoulders above everybody mm. else, but in the heptathlon you can never, you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely <laughs> not. So, Sean um, Miller also... So what did she won, 20, 21.74? 21.74 over the 200. Yeah. With... But then what was amazing about that was showing that 400 strength in the last 50, 40 metres or so, she pulled away in a manner I've written down here, only matched by Donovan Brazier, Brazier oh, in the yes. men's 800 metres. What a ridiculous sprint finish. <laughs> yeah, Shawnee's just, I mean, she has all of the biomechanical advantages yeah. you could possibly have. Like you said, the dynamism then of like a Shelley Ann Fraser Price. Yeah. And also just she's so composed and 
every time I watch a presser with her, I just think you have got it all going on mentally, physically, everything. I'd love to see her do some more hundreds. I wonder what she could do over 100 metres. I don't even know what her PB is, but... I've never seen or even heard of her doing one, but I, obviously she yeah, does. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd love to know. And the only, I suppose, the only slight thing we have to think about her over 400 metres is that championships, she's been a little bit iffy over the 400 metres. Even when she won the Olympics, mm. she only won because she fell across the line, right? Yeah. And then in London, she got, I mean, I don't know what happened. Was it cramp? Was it? was she tired? Oh my and God, then she yes, did that, that funny so trick bizarre. thing and she came forth. So she's not a nailed on favourite in the 400 metres because of that kind mm. of little bit of inconsistency, with, especially with, when doing rounds. A bit of a Kenny Harrison. <laughs> and especially with um, um, Al Nasser, who does look very composed mm. and has been a championship performer. So Nasser is so composed, you're right. Guess how old she is. She, is she quite young? She's, she's young, right? She's 21. Oh, she's only 21? I, my jaw dropped when I read that, doing a bit of research Because I remember her at the World Youths, mm. yeah? Um, and she was, she was very good then. And did she used to wear a headscarf? I don't know about that, but she's locked all her hair off this season. Yeah, and then suddenly she's all tattoos. Yeah, she's got r- really quite... <laughs> yeah, edgy. she's really cool. And um, I... It'll be a good... I think it'll... I mean, Sean A should be the favourite, but I think it'll be more interesting. And you could definitely have two people under 49. Just about to say, the time's <laughs> going to be lightning. On the subject of time, Sifan Hassan is, right oh, now, right. the world lead in the 1500. She's yeah. got the world record in the mile, yeah. world lead 3,000, third in the world over 5,000 metres, and fourth over the half marathon this year. And she, in the Diamond League, winning the double, just made them look so bloody easy. It's funny with her, because... Yes, over fifteen hundred miles, she's been imperious this year. Having won so fast over half marathon, you would expect her to be really strong, and and I think she's won a fast ten k as well. But to be really, really fast over the five k. Now I know she closed ridiculously in the five k mm. the other day, but she's also been beaten this year over five k. Um, um, specifically, Abiri? yeah, but, but then Helen Abiri's all over the place as well. Yeah. So it's she's got a, a very strange, um, maybe it's strange isn't the right word, but her her spread of distances is in, insane. Mm. And I think she's only going to run the 5k at the Worlds, is that right? I've yeah, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter discussing how the scheduling. I don't think you can do both. No, I think there's a heat that clashes with a final. And can we just say about the women's 400 and 200? Impossible to such a shame. Awful scheduling. Yeah. Um, but yes, if I'm saying over the 5,000, I think she she looked amazing. But she, if Helen Abiri comes back as Helen Abiri, mm. who knows? Yeah. Kloster Halvan doesn't have a sprint, but she's going to make it fast. Yeah. It's going to be really... Oh, um, Chariot. And then there's also Gide as well, who's found a new kind of sprint finish this year. Mm. So th- there's so many interesting events, but it's a shame they're not going to be in the 1500 because Laura potentially... And we don't know what kind of form Laura's going to be in. No, it's such a yeah, mystery. Yeah, Semenya's not going to be there in the 1500. But then also the, the Olympic and world champion, we don't know if she's going to be there or not because she ran one race at the beginning of the year mm. and has disappeared again. So it's... You never know with these events. No. Like, like I said a bit earlier, there's going to be some strengths and there's going to be some weaknesses, but that's also fun as well because people come out of the woodwork and do things mm. that we wouldn't expect. So. Well, you heard it here first. I know this isn't the preview episode, but Shelby Houlihan, world 1500 metre champion in Doha. This is Sophie McKinnon and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> How great seeing Danielle Williams disrupting US dominance, the hurdles this yes, year. Yes, because there's so much talk about how strong the US are in hurdles, and they, they are. Oh, yeah. But there's also, I feel like there's a little bit of... Um, brittle they're quite brittle like 
they might be the best on the champ in in on the Diamond mm. League, but they haven't always won the championships. No, absolutely. Um, even if you're looking at um, Brianna Rollins, is mm-hmm. now still Rollins. I think she's now Rollins. She used to be something else. Any, well, her anyway. <laughs> Remember when she came on? Oh my God, she's going to win everything forevermore. Then she got injured. Then she got banned. Then she came back and she's doing all right, but she's not the same. Um, the world record holder Kenny is Harrison. Kenny Harrison is not a championship performer really no um, and when Danielle Williams won in 2015 we had this it was all about the Americans the Americans and we were like who? Mm. who is she? Um, and to come back having done that four years later to come back in insane form four of the fastest ten times in the world this year she's run yeah and also she's had that hip up with her selection she wasn't even sure she was going to go she's now been mad. now been mm. smoothed out with the um, with the Jamaican uh, federation so I'm glad she's going to be there yeah and it's it's obviously we like it when Americans get beaten don't we always <laughs> so I was thinking earlier um, Juan Michel Echevarria managed one oh 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 could it be Bayo right <laughs> <laughs> Bayo is on his way um, Juan Michel Echevarria managed one measured jump all evening and won by 45 centimetres in the long jump whereas Mihambo Mm. jumped 697, 699, 703, each of which would have won her the Diamond League title. I think we as a podcast are more Echevarria than uh, We are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Hello. What time do you call this? Okay, I've, I've done the rounds, okay? Done the rounds of, I've of what? been to Toronto, New York, <laughs> and I would say I'm over the other side of jet lag, but I'm not. I'm deep in the middle of jet lag, so I apologise for my lateness, but I was fast asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're nothing if it's not the honest. Truth of the matter. Continue. <laughs> um, so, no, you're right. Echevarria did that uh, one astounding jump, mm. but he is so inconsistent. I've never seen an athlete mm. more inconsistent. Yep. And it's not even, like, inconsistently over the board. Sometimes he's, a, like, two feet in front of the board. Sometimes he's, t- he's a whole step over the board. He's only young. He's got a lot to learn, but it's really something that you've got to get right because... At a championships, you can't afford to do that. No. You've got to, like, you, you could quite easily do three no jumps or not even qualify for the final. Um, but obviously, he's got the potential to jump super, super far mm-hmm. and also the potential to not even make it, so... 100%. Another young talent who really impressed me is Sydney McLaughlin. Yeah. Because, again, we always say this, we are really... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just talking about a long mm. jump. Let's talk about Mahambo for a second. Yeah, of course. Because one of her jumps... She didn't even hit the board. She was 23 centimetres behind the board Jeez. and she jumped 697. So that's a 720 jump. And if you take into account the extra lift you get from hitting the board, mm. it's a 725, 730 jump. She's in phenomenal form and she's yeah. gone a little bit under the radar. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, because she was world junior champion, I think, back in the day and then European champion last summer. Um, and I think it's actually, but it's only been this year that, yeah. that consistency yeah. has really come into play, which is so exciting. There's, been much less hype around her than there has been around Sydney McLaughlin. And when, less less around her, yes, of course, yeah. Yes, who, <laughs> like, it can be deafening. Every time that young woman steps onto a track, all the American track nerds are like, oh my God, guys, get ready, here yeah. comes a world record. <laughs> and like, but actually, I know Mohammed was arguably fatigued after that astonishing world record, but the way Sydney ran, I thought, especially after a really like poor start in that Diamond League final, was really impressive. She's very impressive, not just like physically and athletically, but she's she seems like she's got a head screwed on mm. as well, and it doesn't like sound like she really buys into all the hype around her. She just goes out there and does her job. Um, Delilah Mohammed, obviously at the trials, was sensational, um, and since then 
since then has she been beaten by twice or did she win one? Oh, she lost to McLaughlin, I think, in the last British one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she is it? Does she always take the outside lane and let Sydney be inside her? I think I, I think I read something about there was something about that, wasn't there? It just seems like an odd tactic when you know your strongest competitor is, can chase you, especially in the hurdles. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's up to her. I, I assume she gets to pick which lane she wants. But that that's a great head to head that's coming up. Um, the Americans have an insanely strong 4x4 team. <laughs> Corey Carter gets picked mm-hmm. as the reigning world champion. You mean for hurdles team? For hurdles team, sorry, yeah. Not 400 team. <laughs> well, they will because they'll put the hurdlers in, so... No, in the 400 flat, though. That's oh, it. no, the 400 flat. Um, um, so the, Corey Carter gets in for being world champion, but um, the diamond... But who's... What, what's her name with the flower in her hair? Shamir Little. Shamir Little. Like, she's, mm. she's run so fast this year and doesn't yeah. get selected. It's insane. And then that, speaking of four hurdles, brings me oh. on to not only my Diamond League final performance, but I was going to ask you after this, what's been your performance or your performer of yeah. the season? It's not even close, no. I'm glad we're all on the same page here. Carsten Warholm is, he's masochistic, exhibitionist, <laughs> fearless. He's just the consummate big stage performer. Yeah. And the fact that Rye Benjamin ran sub 47 and didn't even win the race, <laughs> I... Honestly, could that showdown have been any better? He is so... Like, he's got... He's, he's, he's just the whole package. And we, we've said this lots of times, but he keeps getting better, so we yeah. keep having to reiterate. Mm-hmm. Not just athletically, but the way, the way he runs the race is a really exciting way to run a race. He also... He's got a great personality. He's great in an interview. He's got personality on the track. Um, he's, he obviously knows his sport. He loves his sport. It's great to watch. It's great to have European athletes... Because when we have American athletes who we don't see a lot of, or we have African athletes who are sometimes indistinguishable, it is great for marketing and sport to have have great European athletes because it is where most of the money is and most of the events are. He is an absolute superstar. But let's just say that coming into the World Championships, Ry Benjamin's like one-tenth behind him. I was just <laughs> going to say, he is all of our favourite athlete of the year. He has been sensational this year. I'm slightly worried. What too good too soon? Not not no because he, he's been steadily getting better and yeah, better. Yeah, he hasn't better. over raced. He's no, only run five he's, races. No, he's run a lot. No, I don't think he has. I think we've just seen him a lot. Yeah, we've maybe. seen him running. Or maybe every time he's run, he's set a, a PB yeah, exactly. so he can remember. Um, no, it's like can you hold on that that long? You know, because like it's going to be six seven weeks since he last ran until the World Championships. Can he get any better? You know, any better mm. is a world record, isn't it? So and also. Can you run that through the realms? They're just, it's just a vague thing in the back of my mind, which is going in, he is the athlete of the year, and yet I can see a scenario where he doesn't actually win. But then the way that he runs, where he goes out so hard, is really well suited to round running because he can be turning the, you know, turning the burners off towards the end of his races. It wasn't a perfect race, his penultimate hurdle. Yeah, he really he did, yeah. Stuttered, yeah, yeah he did. So there's more to come. I think he's good at rounds. We've he's done a lot of championships now. Yeah, he's world champion, he's European yeah. champion, he's European junior champion, two yeah, events. But at no point at that point at then. He's a second faster now, and he doesn't got someone mm. breathing down his back in the same way. That's my thinking. My thinking is we haven't really seen my Benjamin that much this yeah. year, and if he can run that well on the um, the pre ultimate, that's not what the word. Penultimate. Penultimate. <laughs> Race, maybe there's more to come for the action. But I would argue that Ryan Benjamin has probably competed more. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I, not, I don't I'm, not, I'm, I'm not up to date with what goes on. In I'm the not saying whether he's competing or not. I'm saying we haven't seen or noticed him. He's no, I know, but that doesn't mean he hasn't competed Let's, more. Mm. And 
Let's not also forget Samba hasn't raced since the 12th of July and hasn't he, done a 400 he running, He's though. making his mind up like the day before yeah. or something. About an injury? Is that the... He's, he hasn't run, has he? He's been injured. We haven't seen him in over a 400 metre hurdle race since the Shanghai Diamond League in May. Wow. Yeah. We've been, we've been assuming twice. Yeah, I didn't realise it was that and long, though. No, he says he's, he's making his mind up that week. Wow. So, so yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath. Because it's a 400 hurdle is not an event you can just turn up. You need to have done, like, just to get your rhythm back. I beg to differ. You should have seen me at the Southern Athletics League <laughs> when I used to get <laughs> chucked into it on a Saturday morning and run 90 seconds. Claire, you're talking to the 1990 Kent Championship bronze medalist over 400 hurdles. Bowing down. <laughs> There's only seven entries. <laughs> Carson Warhol men, without a shadow of a doubt, are Diamond League yes. athlete of the season. Right, question to you both. How revealing... Are Diamond League results ahead of Doha? We have no idea because it's never happened before. Well, yes, I agree. And I would say that, but also very revealing and not revealing at all. In the sense that (laughs) some people who've um, uh, done spectacular things in the last two meetings have then got to hold on to that form for three weeks. Some people didn't go to the the Diamond League finals or performed quite poorly. Is that because they were in heavy training? Mm. So... I don't know. We don't know. It's um, it's going to be interesting to find out. But it's also something that's probably not going to happen that often. So no, because um, obviously, usually Diamond League finals are end of August, um, beginning of September, mm. whereas the World Champs are two, three weeks before that. So obviously, people have peaked for the World Championship, and often you see that real downturn afterwards, yeah. don't you? Um, where people come out and they've done wonders at the World Championship, turn up at the Diamond League final and like totally flop. That's all over and done with now. We've seen who's in great form. We've seen how great, like, mm. Dina was, for example, or Sean May. Um, the hope is they continue that and they may be even better mm. in three weeks' time. It could potentially... It, it's going to depend on the person. It's going to depend yeah. on their training. It's going to depend on if they've managed to get this season right. And we've never had a scenario ever. I mean, we're talking... Um, when was the last uh, there was Olympics in, like, October once, wasn't there? Like, 40 years ago I think ago Sydney was quite late as well, wasn't um, it? Oh, Sydney was quite late, yeah, um, but not not this late. No. Um, we're gonna have to, it's in the first time ever we're gonna see whether people actually know how to how mm. to do this. And lots of people have really surprised me in how much they have competed. Yeah, and yeah, because people some people were competing at the first time in yeah. May and have I mean, competed well, consistently. Dina, Dina, Dina's the example I'm thinking of because I thought when we saw it at the beginning, I thought we were gonna see her get you know make some money, disappear, come back, but she, she's steadily throughout the whole season run. It's a very long time, isn't it? And she's made a lovely little scoop by taking that $50,000 for the Diamond League win. Sadly... And a 20 or 30 for the 200 as well. Oh, God, of course, yes. Nothing quite like $50,000 going for the winner of the Fantasy Diamond League. But <laughs> irrelevant because none of us were even close. I would like, Sorry, though... Sorry, what did you win if you won the Fantasy Diamond League? I don't know. Probably oh, nothing. Like probably didn't, probably, probably, probably didn't add it up, did yeah, they? probably didn't tell you. <laughs> but I do have the Backstreet Boys League here, and I just want to point out that I did beat both of you comfortably. But would that be because you didn't actually miss any, whereas me and Joe... I missed one. You you I missed, missed one, one meet. Yeah, I missed three. No, but I just didn't bother entering the last yeah, yeah. That's Joe, something to <laughs> brag about. <laughs> so you won through purely... Well, because she stayed in the race, yeah, that's why. stayed in the race, yeah. Um, no, I, I missed the last two, I think. I just gave up. One, just... We were, one, we were all desperately trying to do it, and then the, the clock ran down. And then the last one, I just think I forgot it was on. Well, congratulations to Chris Barrow, Dave Hollow, and David James, oh. Oh. who were our top three finishers. Oh, in our league. In our league. Oh, I was thinking, I know them. <laughs> <laughs> but can I just say that all, when we were actually competing, all three of us, we were we were like right together the ne- whole time. Ne- ne- like we, we were literally next to each other the whole yeah. time. Mm. So that's weird. 
so so exciting well it's been infuriating but it has been fun mm. I will definitely be doing it again next year I'm definitely, definitely not, missing one again next year definitely not doing it next year I, I, oh, you I don't that. want to get into another moaning about the, the fantasy diamond league <laughs> but unless they make some changes I don't want to do it because it's it's I just think it, it's waste of time and it actually makes me less interested in watching the diamond league so but if they make a few, just a few little little tiny little tweaks yeah little tweaks it'd be great hi this is Sandy Morris and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys I think it would be remiss not to give the match the time that it deserves. So, two minutes, boys. <laughs> I, gave the, I gave the match the exact amount of time it deserved. You didn't watch any of it. I didn't even know it was on. <laughs> but it was on a Monday and a Tuesday. How bizarre. I, I read something about it afterwards, basically about how bad it was. It's, all, it's literally all I know, so fill me in. I watched the first, because it's on the European... I was away, I think I was in Ibiza when it was on. So, we should just quickly maybe explain to people what it is. Because, yeah, I'm sure some people don't know. Europe... Versus the US, three athletes per discipline in Minsk. Uh, Europe won. In Minsk? <laughs> there were 22 Brits on the team. Was there? 22 Brits. Yeah. And they were really significant in contributing to that victory. Yeah. So, I mean, I watched the first day. Because, I, I will go back and watch yeah, it, so don't, don't do too many spoilers. Well, just, 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 <laughs> we're an athletics <laughs> podcast. There will be spoilers. So the, the, the two British people, and there might be more, but the two people that I noticed was um, um, Daryl Nita one. Yes. Amazing. And Alex Bell one. Mm. They were both. They both ran really well. So that was. It was not. I mean, it was. It wasn't awful. It wasn't. It wasn't a was bad it just, event. Was it just pointless? Pointless. Mm. Poor timing. I didn't think it was a very funny time of year to do it. Also, it'd be better to do it at the beginning of the year, wouldn't it? Yeah. But also, um, the the having it in Minsk, it being on Monday and a Tuesday, and also the selections were weird. I mean, <laughs> some of the events just it, both American and European teams were just at like. Some that didn't even pick three people sometimes. Sometimes the third person was literally someone I've never heard of and don't need to ever hear of. It was weird. If they did it properly, it actually could be quite fun. Mm. There are just too many international, like the Athletics World Cup last yeah. year. Yeah, two Athletics World Cups. And, it's just, and the Continental Cup. Mm. It's just all an absolute hodgepodge when sometimes keeping things simple is good. But like you said, Alex Bell, great. Downey to great. Second places for Ben Williams, Beth Dobbin, Jake Whiteman. Um, and Elish McCoggan got to do the 1500 because okay. Gemma Riki pulled out and the 3000 metres which if she might double up for Doha I don't know if she will but really good to see that she can actually come out and really perform with heavy what, legs where did she come in the 15? she finished third in both oh, which is impressive I think she could have won the five what was do you know what it was won in? it wasn't fast it was fifth, uh, outside 15 and she um, some American I've never heard of one mm. but Ailish she'd gone out like she did at the trials I think she it was a three wasn't it it wasn't a five it was a yeah three. it was a three yeah um, so it was just inside nine um, if she'd gone out fast because she was fast she was the fastest there by a mile mm. but obviously she knows she's got another race the next day I have to say because obviously I knew nothing about it I am well impressed with the quality of those people I just assumed it was going to be a load of old also runs. Oh no, also, you know, uh, Megan Beasley, Nick Miller, Andy Pozzi, Jamie Webb, Charlie Grice, Joe But that's, that's just the British people. But don't get there's three for Europe and three for... I know, but so I they had to go quite deep to... No, no, that wasn't my point. My point was that I... I seemed like the kind of thing that British athletics would have just turned their nose up at, so I didn't think mm. that we could send But it wasn't people. British athletics, it was European athletics. Yeah, so. but the athletics would surely have to still say they can go. I okay. don't know. Maybe mm. they, I think they got invited. But anyway, I'm European just thinking athletics. Athletics. Yeah. yeah, it was all right. I just think particularly for someone like Daryl or Alex, yeah. who we don't think of as being absolute first names on the team sheet for their respective disciplines, massive confidence yeah. boost, really good experience. Five grand, was it? 
Hopefully. Seven, maybe seven. I can't remember, but it was it was Considering decent. Alex Bell still isn't sponsored, um, that's a really welcome paycheck. Um, if you're listening and you own a small business, Alex Bell, we really <laughs> or, like her or, on this or, podcast. Or a big business. Yeah, <laughs> even better. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dina Asher-Smith and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. 74 athletes, 44 of whom competed in London, 12 Scots, 37 women, 35 men, Richard Kilty captain, Martin Rooney going to his eighth world championships. What do you think of the British Athletics team going to Doha? I think it's a strong team. I think there's actually some really good medal prospects, but we'll talk about them specifically when we get to the preview next week. Um, I don't think there was any controversies after the actual the initial selection. I think the only the only thing mostly was, because they selected almost everybody. Yeah, I mean the, the only talking point really was about Charlie Grice not getting selected in the 1500 but I think even he admits that he didn't run the race he should have at the trials he put that really nice yeah, yeah. Such yeah. A gentleman. Um, good luck to the to the, the, the guys who did qualify because um, they ran they did what they needed to do I mean he he has no complaint because he only had himself to blame it's yeah. like it's not there's no other argument there is there so you can feel bad for him because we all like Charlie Grice and you can especially feel bad in that he was so gracious about it but there is no real argument yeah. to be had so that was the only real... Charlie Grice was the only real kind of bit of controversy. Honestly, in the first wave of selection. Yeah, I mean, and I'll have a little chat in a second about people who didn't get qualified, qualified didn't get selected and why and why I'm annoyed about it. But um, it was great to see some people in the team. People like... Um, I, I, my favourite was Abigail, who was in the room. Because <laughs> it's been so long, we didn't know she was going to come back. We certainly didn't know she was going to come back in such form. No. Um, and... When we heard the team was announced, I thought I'd give someone a little phone call. Hi, this is Tony Minicello, and you're listening to The Backstraight Boys. <laughs> Hi, Abigail. Welcome to The Backstraight Boys. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Listen, congratulations. I think I said in an earlier pod that you getting selected for Doha is probably my favourite athletics moment of the year. Where have you been for so long? Well, have I been? Well, I've been injured. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. injured. And then, you know, that short retirement in 2016 uh, after rupturing my Achilles tendon. Um, so, yeah, I came back last year because I realised I had unfinished business. And thankfully, mm-hmm. it's been really quite smooth sailing since my return. It re- really has. I remember we were at, I think it was the Diamond um, League in London a few years ago, and you were doing some interviewing. And so we spent the whole day stood next to each other. And you were talking about you can no longer do long, long jump. You might be looking at other sports. But when did that mindset change and you thought, no, it's athletics is a sport for me and I'm going to make a comeback? Oh, do you know what? I probably a year or so, maybe 13, 14 months after the retirement, so around uh, September 2017, I started thinking, oh, actually, maybe it's going to be long jump that I'll go back to because I did try a bit of track cycling and that was a lot of fun and my one of my first loves is netball so I've always loved to do netball and I've always wanted to go back into that but I realized actually mm, I'm naturally gifted with the long jump and I I just wanted to come back to the track so it was actually me doing those interviews realizing oh I don't I don't want to be the one asking the questions I want to be the one answering the questions (laughs) (laughs) that made me realize oh actually I want to go back to jumping so you you did make a surprise appearance at the trials last year which we were all surprised to see you and you jumped really well I think you jumped 666 or something um but unfortunately most years that would be someone you'd get in the top two but unfortunately last year especially last year at the trials it was out of control the, the distances but it was really nice to see you come back at that um at that level 
after so many years. Um, so can you tell us, tell us what, where you were, what happened, what injuries you had and how difficult was it to come back? Oh, wow. Um, so last year, 2018, my first year at the trials since 2012, where obviously <laughs> we know I finished a horrible fourth <laughs> after having jumped the Olympic standard and did not get selected for the Olympic Games. Yep. So I haven't had a really great track record of um, competing at national championships. Um, so even last year when I did come back, I it was a surprise for me as well. So it was as much a surprise to you guys as it was to me. I thought, oh, I'm going to use this year to warm up, warm up, warm up my legs and see where I'm at. And then I think in my second or third competition of the year in Marseille, I jumped the European standard, which was 660. I jumped bang on that number and I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so suddenly my expectation levels just rose exponentially. And then I think the UK champs was maybe my fourth or fifth competition back. And I went there with this expectation like, oh, actually, now I've got the European standard. I'm going Europeans. This is way beyond <laughs> what I'd expected. And, sudden, and then obviously going there and... Lorraine jumping a world lead <laughs> and um, Jasmine jumping out of her skin. Yeah. You kind of expected from Shara anyway, but Jasmine jumping a massive personal best. And then I think I came fifth as well. I don't think I came fourth. I think there was Jahisha Thomas yeah. who came above me. So it was just like, oh, that was a night. That was a bit of a blow and it was a massive shock. Because, and I just, I remember just crying my eyes out and thinking, oh, I didn't expect to be feeling this type of emotion about the sport um, right now. Um, but yeah, 2013, I ruptured my rec fem tendon and 2014, I had another surgery, but that was on my Achilles. That was kind of like my bursa. And then um, 2014 and 15, I was living in Phoenix. I was working with the amazing Dan Path because I was trying to resolve the injury situation. Um, so I, d I did have some good distances and I did do kind of well when I came back in 2014, 15. I jumped 673 indoors, but... I just think I needed that break after 2016 with that Achilles rupture to be able to reset my body because my body just wanted to break down every single year um, and it wasn't fun and yeah I just wasn't enjoying the sport anymore. And so what have you what have you learned and what's different now in your training that will stop you getting injured? Well I mean I think you know got I don't know so I, I guess I'm just more mindful of not pushing at the wrong times uh, I think this the big thing at the moment which every female athlete is talking about is just their cycle and understanding that as women we uh, have to work mm -hmm. with that and not against it and I think in the past maybe I've pushed at the wrong times of the month and I know that from looking at my training diaries and things like that I know the times when I'm more susceptible to injuries so now I'm more mindful of that whereas in the past I would just think I'm superhuman because mm -hmm. we're athletes we can do anything it doesn't matter what my biology is saying and you try and fight against that uh, also just being really sensible in competitions and things like that and when I structure my competitions so even when I came back in after surgery I jumped in 2015 I'd uh jumped 673 in the indoors a uh, big indoor personal best and then that was on the sunday or the saturday the national champs then the wednesday i flew to athlone and competed there and then on the saturday i tried to compete in birmingham and tore hmm. my hamstring so i missed out on the european indoors that year because i tried to do three competitions in seven or eight days which may work for some people and some athletes do that but for me where I was at the time that's it's not going to work for me and uh, stuff like that just being more sensible with my approach to training and competitions is key. Well listen it is, it is great to have you back and you did touch on the subject of how 
how difficult it is to get in the British team of the long jump at the moment. Looking at the IWF rankings, um, there's actually five British women in the top 16. So like one third of the best... Oh my goodness. <laughs> one third of the best long jumpers in the world are from, are from Great Britain. So for you to be number one in the world, in Britain at the moment, makes you by default one of the be- very, very best in the world. That's a good feeling. And it's also something that is new to me. So I'm used to being that underdog. I'm used to being someone who like hopefully rises to the occasion at the last minute. But now actually I'm one who is, like you said, kind of up there. So I've had to change my mindset a little bit and just be like, okay, this is where I'm at. And actually this should be something that fills me with confidence rather than fear, which it might have um, made me feel in the past. Now I'm trying to look at it with a positivist perspective. Like I'm up there, so actually what's from stopping me from getting into a final from and from doing you know amazing in a final and uh jumping even further because you know you have to have um a higher level of expectation um so yeah that's what I'm bringing to the table now just going back a little bit because you talked about 2012 and where you had jumped the qualifying you jumped 680 in 2012 and you um but you came fourth at the trials and then Charles had this thing about you have to do it get the qualifying twice so you couldn't like there was no way for you to qualify under those circumstances. You've obviously made sure you're qualified this time, but it is quite arbitrary sometimes, selection policy. And especially we're going to be talking to some other athletes in this edition who haven't been selected this time. And can you just talk about how difficult it is when you have got the qualifying, but your federation says we're not going to select you? Oh my goodness, it's horrible. And you know what? I feel like, first of all, other nations probably look at us and think, ha, like, <laughs> what What are they doing? Because other nations, I said in 2012, you know, if I was was representing my other country, Nigeria, for example, where my parents, both of my parents are from Nigeria, I probably would have been on that team. Yeah. And, or any other nation, because I'd got the standard once, which was what the IAAF requirements were. Yeah. Um, and most nations, it's a first-past-the-post situation, so it doesn't matter that the other two above me hadn't um, had come above me because they didn't have the standard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is quite frustrating, and I do really feel for every single person, every single year when the selections happen and, you know, names are missed off there and there's very controversial decisions because I've been through it myself, and it's so frustrating. And particularly now with that whole invite situation... Yeah. ..someone's <laughs> getting an invite and then not being taken... Uh, so, yeah, I feel I really feel for them because I've obviously been through it myself. And also, I feel like maybe if you'd been selected in 2012, you don't know what that could have done for your career. Whether you <laughs> trained too hard in the winter of 2013, whether you pushed yourself further, you don't know. And I just think young athletes should have the opportunity. Yeah, I completely agree. I know, I do know that that definitely messed me up mentally because mm. for me, I was told, someone had told me um, that if they hadn't seen the video where I jumped the 680, mm-hmm. they would have thought it was a fluke. They would have thought I'd done it. So me, you know, I, I feel like you have to be so careful of the words that you use to young athletes. I was 22, but you're still really young at the time. Yeah. And so for me, that was what I carried with me for a long time, like, oh, I'm a fluke. So you would see even in my performances, I would jump big in 2013 I jumped to 663 or whatever but then I wasn't able to replicate it and I think you know your your body fo- follows what your mind's at so my, in my mind
mind's eye, I was like, I am a fluke, or maybe I am, like, maybe I can only jump one, big once and, and things like that, and so my body would shut down and everything was, and like you said, I might have been overtraining, I might have been trying to prove something, whereas now I'm going with a different perspective, like, I'm really going to enjoy this because I, I know that this can be taken away from you at any time through injuries or through non-selection and through things like that. So yeah, it's just a different mindset. I've grown through it, but I wish I didn't have to go through that. <laughs> well, listen, some people told um, um, Greg Rutherford that he was a fluke as well. And it's like, that's some kind of fluke who wins time and time and time again. So um, there's nothing, nothing wrong. You don't have to always listen to what other people say. Absolutely. But just, just this season, you've been so consistent and you've definitely proved that that 680 wasn't a fluke because you've jumped 680 on a number of occasions. You've backed it up with 670s. You jumped 666 on the street the other day. And it's all been... Like the, it's a long season, obviously, but in the second half of this season, you've really come out and it seems like every time you step on the track, you're doing a personal best and jumping really far. So what are, now you are qualified for Doha, you're ranked ninth in the world. It's possible that a couple of people ahead of you in rankings may not even be there. So what is your goal for Doha? What would you be happy to come away with? Um, I feel like, you know, minimum, I would like to be top eight because, mm. you know, you want to be in the final. If I am ranked number nine in the world, and like you said, there's some girls that aren't going to be there through injury or whatever's happened, then for me, I just need to ch to have a mindset of going in there like I'm going to make this final. Um, but obviously you have to get in the qualifying, you have to be switched on from round one, um, try and hit the distance. I think it's going to be 670 or 675 in that round one. Um, so for me, that's why I really have wanted to be really consistent with the 70s. And I have proven in the past three or four competitions that I've done that I've been basically um, hitting 70, 75, 75. And in the street meet, like you said, 66. Um, so yeah, I am going there with quite a lot of confidence, but also understanding that, um, yeah, anything can happen. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not one of those people who kind of is like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I just take it as it comes. I have those expectations within me and obviously I have the conversations with my team, but I will hopefully let my legs do the talking. <laughs> well, I mean, apart from Mahimbo, there's nobody's dominant this year. I mean, everyone's within five, ten centimetres of each other. So it really, I mean, Brittany Reese, obviously, we know what she can do on a good day, but we also know what she can do. She's very inconsistent. Um, so, yeah, listen, top eight is definitely a possibility. And who, who knows? One could jump on the day. You jump 686 on the day, that could get you a medal. Absolutely, yeah, top, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I'm going for a medal. So... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like every person that's jumped 680 or around that about that mark, they're going for the medals. And I know that those distances, like 680, any uh, most of those champs over the past, I don't know, 10 years would get you top five. Yeah. So I guess for me, minimum would be top five. Um, a medal would be an incredible, incredible bonus. But yeah, that that's, yeah that's what I'm going for why not <laughs> and will this be your first time at a major international championships like worldwide you've not been to the to... yeah it will yeah. be it's my first one so even though you know I might be ranked ninth in the world and I'm going for the medal it's still for me to be there I'm, I'm just thankful and for me to get in the final I'll be happy and for me to get top eight I'll be happy so it's like stepping stones um yeah so well listen Whatever you do in Doha, we hope it's on the podium, top five, top eight, get into the final, just be in there. A big congratulations from us because 
last year we didn't even think we'd see you again so never mind at this level um congratulations we will obviously we're not going to be in Doha but we will be watching it every single second of it and we will be cheering you along and we just wish you all the best and whatever you achieve we're very proud of you oh thank you so much thank you thank you thank you and I appreciate your support because I know you guys are our biggest fans (laughs) (laughs) something like that (laughs) (laughs) what a great story what a great like to, to really stick in there she literally told us she'd retire. Well, she did yeah, retire. She literally <laughs> told us. I remember having a conversation <laughs> with her. And she wasn't someone we knew particularly well. But I remember we were at the yeah, Olympic Stadium and she came and said, like, Ooh. and we were chatting and she just, oh, yeah, retired. And we were like, oh, that's a shame. Because she'd never quite got there. She was mm. one of those, did she, um, there's her and, oh, God, who's, who's the other long jumper? And I get them muddled up because they came around at the same time. Lorraine, Shara. Lorraine, okay. Um, her and Abigail came around the same year that I kind of know of in my head. They both became known to me that same year. Yeah. They both were jumping really well. And I think they both done long jumps. Was it in America? Um, they both jumped far. And one of them went on to like last year being the world's number one. And Abigail Olazero, who had kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Like we discussed, Abigail did qualify for the Olympics in 2012. Yes, she yes. jumped 680 and mm. Charles wouldn't select her because you had to have two jumps over the qualifiers. So, so just, so, just quickly, how many people did we send in, in um, 2012 then? Was it, was, did we not send her because, just, just because of that reason or was, was there not? Because Charles was being a dick. No, was it, we, well, being, there, <laughs> we was a, there, was, there was a space for her we to go. Right, there, I, wasn't, I couldn't remember. Um, so it, it's when something like that happens and like she said, that could have changed everything. Maybe mm-hmm. she overtrained afterwards maybe she got it in her head that she couldn't um, compete as well maybe that does make you get the injuries or whatever you don't know mm. um, so it was great to, it was great to see her and it's great that she's in such good form yeah. and getting better each right? yes. I mean, like we said 686 could get a medal she even, jumped, the... she even jumped 66 <clears throat> on the silly um, city games thing mm. you know that's like no one jumps from far in those things do they because no. like, they, they the way they're set up so even then she's jumping well it's just it's so lovely to see her finally free of injury free of doubt and just building up that momentum yeah. I feel you know winning is a habit that's such yeah. a cliche but actually it really does seem like she is somebody who is just building and building and in building in the last four competitions mm-hmm. she's got better and better and better and it's that consistency which mm. is what gets you Yes. And especially in something like like the long jump, um, she's currently ranked tenth in the world. I think she's eighth, and I think hang on, Jenny, oh, she's currently ranked tenth in the world. And I know because I literally looked it up just before we left. She's currently, but I think there's a few people in front of her who aren't going to be there. There's two really odd random Romanians. Yeah, where, where did they come from? But have they accepted their selection? Because I in the know. Road to Doha, um, which is a great website, it's it's a bit late to tell you about it now. It's called the Road to Doha, <laughs> <laughs> and it literally was enlisting everybody who's qualified. And what they who was next in line? So it's actually obviously stopped now because mm. the everyone's selections that have been like made. A brilliant resource! I wish I'd known about. Well, that. it was it, it happened. I think for Rio was the yeah. first time they did it. But this year he stopped doing it because there were some issues with all the new rules about um, people's details. He was he was a bit worried about putting people's details online with um, the dates of birth and all the rest of it. So he held off. I, okay. This is the, what I understand until the last minute. But it was a really useful resource. Um, for athletes trying to know what they had to do to qualify, which is so opaque. Mm. <laughs> so, so it, yeah, it was, I, it's still interesting to look at, actually, because there's still a couple of events that haven't had... Ever, there's, like, one place left. They're going down the list to see who's going to accept it, or people might drop out. So it's, it's still an interesting thing to look up. But, but, what, it, but what it does do is it shows you where someone 
is in the world in comparison to the people who will be competing against. Yes. So, for example, Kenyan steeplechases, there's no point looking and seeing yeah. the first. Just tells you the three yeah. who are going to go, yeah. mm. or who are qualified. Hi, my name is Asha Phillip, and you're listening to The Backstreet Boys. It's great to see Abigail on the team, and there's a lot of other great people on the team that we will talk about, I think, when we do our roundup next week, because we're going to talk about people who potentially can get medals and who can get in finals, along with the roundup, the preview of all, all the events. So we'll mm. talk about more people then. So one other person who did get put on the team at the last minute was Jazz, um, Jazz Sawyers. She was given an invite because she didn't, she was one centimetre um, out from the actual 72, wasn't it? The automatic qualifying. But because she was highly, high enough ranked in the world, um, she was one of the next people to get invited by the IWF. So she got invited by the IWF and the um, British Athletics accepted that invitation. That's correct. It's yeah. the only invitation they accepted, despite the fact there were some others. What about Marnie? I'm sorry, that, but that was slightly different because she got invited because we got now can have four people course, in the in the women's four hundred because Dina won the diamond. Got it. So that's slightly different because mm, okay. she because she did have the automatic qualifying. Yeah. So she was was automatically. This selected. is the thing you were saying about there's lots of different cases and they're all mm. slightly different, aren't they? So. Yeah. So Amani and Jazz are now on the team. Lovely. Jazz gets on the team because to to accept an invite from the IWF, British Athletics have said you have to be have podium potential either in Doha or in Tokyo next year. So it's a bit, bit arbitrary. Mm, <laughs> but I don't think it can argue that Jazz, who is a 686 jumper, does have potential. Also, 686 jumper with a great championship um, yeah. mentality. She, yeah, she 100% deserves to be yeah. um, selected. So there's no argument with that whatsoever. Where I do have an argument is with the people that they didn't accept um, invitations for. For for a diverse amount of reasons. And yes, these athletes probably don't have what's called podium potential in the next two years, but they're young, they're improving, they deserve a chance. And I don't understand why getting an arbitrary distance or time is any different to be invited by the IWF. Mm. In fact, in many ways, an IWF invitation almost feels like more worthy somehow because it, it means, means like, you're ranked within the top but it also means they have faith in it's you it's such you know? an endorsement yeah. absolutely because the, the IWF make the rules of how many people they're going to take so why British Athletics saying oh no I know you want this person if we're not going to invite them I'd, it's not money they've got money they no. take a hundred relay runners some of them who don't even <laughs> run so it's not it's not about that and now we've got the four by four by four by Two. Oh my God. Sorry, I've, I've been missing that. Have we picked a team for that, or is that going to be? I, I think it's on a, the there's fly. people who are in, the... yeah from the pool. So it's not about money. To take an extra person is not um, prohibitively expensive. Um, so the people who I think, and I might have this wrong, I might have missed some people. Um, it's pos- potentially because it changes all the time. Who's going up in the who yeah. who who? If someone decides they don't want to go, then the someone person. else moves up. So yeah. it does change a little bit. But the the, the ones that are obvious to me are. Number one, Charlie Myers. Now, Charlie Myers didn't get an invite. He didn't need an invite because he had the qualifying. He jumped 571, which was the qualifying. He's ranked 24th, equal 24th, in the, in the people who are qualified to go. Um, so he should automatically get selected, right? But he didn't come top two at the trials. Therefore, they haven't selected him. Which is weird because <laughs> it's not like he didn't come top two and other people did who've got the qualifying. No, they just decided to leave a space empty. Which for it, taking what male pole vault, yeah. Which, who who did it at the trials? He got the qualifying at the trials, so he was, you can you had to choose him. But he's in exactly the same position as say someone like Carl Langford, Langford. yeah, mm. who didn't perform at the trials, perform at the trials, but has got the qualifying. So then British Athletics would go, oh, we think Carl Langford has got podium potential. Well, 
yeah, but, where he, but of course he has. And I don't agree with that, but that's that would be the reason. That yeah, but, but the reason he's got podium potential is because he was given a chance when he was nineteen <laughs> to go to major championships. Mm. Now, five Charlie Myers is not going to win a medal at, at, in Doha, but if he goes and jumps five seventy one, he might get in the final. Mm. And then imagine that going into Tokyo when he might be jumping five eighty next year. Yeah, and it's so short sighted. Yeah. And also for him. He was ill at the trials, so he's getting punished for being ill at the trials. They told him apparently that he's not in, he, he no height at the trials and he's not in good form. But that's the limit of communication that anyone And yeah, he jumped a lifetime best of the season, which is a And he's only twenty two. He was only twenty two mm. in June or July. So it's just really frustrating. Someone else, um, Jessie Knight in the four hundred hurdles. She's two hundredths outside of the qualifying. She's ranked thirty eight, they're taking forty people. I don't think she's even been told whether she got an invite or not. There's no communication. That's, and it's, I just think it's really rude. Yeah. Young athletes who are doing their best miss out by a, to automatically by tiniest mm. amounts. IWF go, you're, you're, you're qualified. We're just like, whatever. This is really remiss of me for not remembering his name, but who is the steeplechaser? Phil who, Norman. Phil Norman, that's it. He has ran something like three times this year within a second of the qualifying time, which shows consistency at a world-class level and also over a steeplechase. Firstly, there's so much margin for different times to merit different results at championships. There's such variety in what people produce. But also, it's a, like it's a long race. He's so close to that qualifying but time. I've got, I might have an explanation for that. Really? And it's a little bit complicated, so bear with me. And as you know, I might have got this totally wrong. Oh so, <laughs> bear with you, because... <laughs> so, yes, Phil Specifics Norman... Specifics aren't yeah. on. That's like four Phil caveats Norman in one. should be within the top, I think it's 45 in the... St- is it because they'll have three heats of, of um, 15? Anyway, he should, he should have qualified, but... If you look at the road to Doha, he's not qualified, and I'll explain why. In at the, in, at the World Championships, any country that doesn't have anybody qualified mm-hmm. can enter one male athlete and one female athlete. Yeah? Yeah. It used to be restricted to the 100 metres. I thought that was, yeah. Was just the sprints. Yeah. Or something like that. Now it seems like... Because, could, which is why you used to get like hammer throwers um, running mm-hmm. the 100. Yes, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Mr. Pecky. Yes. yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, how's the end days? Um, so, so what's happened is they're called BCA, which I think stands for Best Country Athletes. So it's the best from your country. Or the, another word is a uni- universality athletes. In the steeplechase, there's two of these athletes who've been entered. So they've knocked Phil Norman out. Plus there's someone who I believe is the Asian champion, or maybe it's the South American champion, and as a continental champion, champion, you qualify. Sure. So he's in as well. So that has knocked him below the people who qualify. Now, I don't know if that was why he hasn't been selected. He wouldn't have been selected anyway by British Athletics. Mm-hmm. But because that's only happened in the last few days. But that is what seems to have happened. And that's actually happened to even more high-profile athletes. Nick Willis is the uh, bronze and silver medalist from the Olympics from... from Anyway, he's two, two times, he just won the New York um, mile, Fifth Avenue mile. Mm-hmm. So he's in decent form, but he didn't automatically qualify. He hasn't won um, 336 this year. He is 42nd in the rankings. He is top 45, top 45, which is what it is for the 1500. New Zealand Athletics had bought his plane ticket Jeez. 
And then he's told he doesn't qualify because four universality athletes have chosen to go in the 1500 metres. Oh, my God. It just makes what? you want to bang your head against the wall. <laughs> I mean, just for so many reasons, this is just such an absolute mess. Number one, these universality athletes shouldn't be taking the places of athletes who've qualified no. or could qualify. No. They so should be on top. Yeah, if you're going to have that as a goal, which I like as a yeah, goal. Yeah, I like it as a goal. Well. Every, every country someone yeah, to cheer absolutely. for. But not instead of... A, Qualified athlete. That's, Not instead that's... of a double Olympic medalist. No. Not someone who is. It shouldn't be on like a merit point system no. that's so subjective. But if you think about what he has done for sports in his country, yeah. and you think about his pedigree, mm. I bet he gets invites to every single bloody diamond league all year round. But, but in, especially in, in a race like a fifteen hundred, no harm to put in a couple of extra people. Mm. You can't do that in a race that's got um, eight lanes. No. So I understand that, but that just seems nuts, to, mm. nuts to me. And, it's, and since when did they open it? The whole point I've never, of that I don't was... Know. Also, why no communication? Um, New Zealand Athletics said they had to call the IWF and say, where's our invite? And they're like, oh, you're not getting one. And it's the same for British Athletics. What's, what's the harm in just communicating with people and saying, listen, I know this is tough, but this is what the qualification is. You're not going to get it this year, but this is what we'd like you to do. Just, just a simple phone call. It's really annoying. But just, just, and um, maybe we can find out, but like, you're right, the rule about that having an extra athlete in was always in the 100 because it's yeah. where it can do least harm. Yeah. You know, just throwing someone in, they get an, a, sometimes like nine lanes anyway, it's only 100 metres. If we're going to have people in the steeplechase yeah. getting lapped or falling over, or, you know, people who could quite easily be two, three minutes. It's a bad look. <laughs> it's a very bad look. Really bad so there's, there's one other British athlete who I'm really annoyed about <laughs> not getting in. And I had a chat with her so she could explain to me exactly what went on. Hi, I'm Dalila Mohammed, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. Hi, Amelia. Thank you so much for coming on the Backstreet Boys. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, it's the first time we've talked, I believe, and I didn't realise that you were American. Originally. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I was born and raised in the U.S., um, but my mom and her whole side of her family is from the U.K., uh-huh. um, originally the Stoke area. Um, so I finished uni and my sister had finished um, high school. So two years ago, we just moved back because my mom missed it and wants to be close to her family. So Welcome. We're very pleased to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here. So listen, first of all, I just have to congratulate on, on you on a, a great year. I mean, you've thrown 1783. You're ranked sixth ever in the UK, 50, 50 centimetre PB. Um, so has coming back to Britain and being, being like part of the British athletics community, has that inspired you to throw even further than ever? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think... I think British shot put had been down mm-hmm. for quite a few years, and I don't mean that to be rude. No, it's true. We could have thrown a lot farther, <laughs> you know. Um, as a group of ladies, I think we should have been throwing a lot farther. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, now that we're, you know, on the up and we're making worlds and, you know, definitely the Olympics next year, um, you know, it's it's exciting to be a part of, definitely. I mean, you're right. The shot put is one of those events in Britain that hasn't been very successful um, and we haven't really had any world-class shot putters since the 80s and since Judy Oakes retired in 2000 so it's really great to see a bunch of ladies all at the same time pushing each other and obviously that drives up standards all over. Yes definitely um, there's nothing like someone else throwing farther than you to push you a little bit more motivate you a little bit more so um, it's been it's been really fun. Good well listen we you have had a great year this year, but obviously the end of the year has ended up in a little bit of disappointment with the non-selection for Doha. Um, so just to explain to any listeners who don't understand the system, because it is a quite a complicated system, um, there is a 
a qualifying standard that if you meet and come top two at the trials, you're automatically selected. You're like, I think, 13 centimetres off of that automatic standard. But because of your world ranking, um, you actually ranked 32nd in the world. It means you get an invite from the IAAF. So it's the IAAF treat that as exactly the same as having got the qualifying standards. You are a qualified athlete. But unfortunately, British athletics don't look at it that way. And they will only select someone with an invite if they consider them to have podium potential at either Doha or Tokyo, which is obviously a very small amount of people. So coming up at the trials and um, afterwards, what was your communication with British athletics? And did you have any expectations that you might get selected? Um, no, they didn't really say anything to me, um, which was a bit frustrating as an athlete knowing, you know, do I need to keep pushing? I Mm. mean, I did keep training and I did go to, I think, two more meets after British Champs, um, trying to get the standard, um, one of which, no, I think I just went to one meet and unfortunately like 30 kids turned up and I was like, oh my God. And it was like 30 minutes in between throws. Mm. I mean, I was like, oh, this is not ideal. (laughs) Um... But yeah, they didn't really say anything. And, um, you know, my coach Zane was trying to find out for me. Um, but, you know, they just weren't really saying anything. So knowing when to stop training was really hard. Because um, obviously, you know, the next year is more, even more important than this year. Um, so although this year went well, um, you know, we want next year to be spectacular. Yeah. So, I mean, that's for us hearing that, that's even more disappointing because like we've said, the shot put has not been an event that has been a strength for Great Britain. Actually, none of the throws are particular strengths for Great Britain historically. And yet we don't see any kind of encouragement from the authorities when these are the events that I feel like we need to encourage people and we need to invest in. No, I would agree with that completely. I think, um, you know, especially now that um, Sophie and myself are, you know, we're qualifying for Worlds. Yeah. Um, I mean, I especially, I really would have been given the chance, would have really loved to have been given the chance to go just for the fact that I know I'm a championship performer because I've proven it, you know, I'd say three out of four times that I've been to a major championships for Great Britain. Mm-hmm. I've thrown a PB or season best on three out of four occasions. Um, and in lead up to the Olympics, I think this would have been, you know, a really good, you know, experience and um Oh, what's the word I want? <laughs> like, I don't know, induction to that atmosphere. Because, yeah. I mean, I've been to, you know, a World University Games, but, you know, I've not been to a, a true world-class level event. Um, you know, Europeans is, is steep, but it's not Worlds, is it? So, And I think the thing is, with your PB, 1783, if you'd thrown there or thereabouts at a championships, and as you said, you do tend to throw PBs or seasons best, that is the kind of distance that could get you into a final. Yeah, definitely. Um, My coach and I were discussing that. Um, You know, it usually takes high 17s, low Mm. 18s to get into these finals at major championships. And, um, you know, last summer in Berlin, I know I didn't have to throw that far, but... um, you know, I showed up in the qualifying rounds and threw a PB and forced my way into that final when no one, you know, expected me to be there. Yeah. And I like to think I could have done that in Doha, but, um, you know, it's one of those things. What if, what if, what if? So, yeah. um, it's just now, you know, I've, I've, I, since, since I did find out, you know, I've, I've had some time off and, um, you know, I'm just going to make sure I'm 100% on that plane next year. 
Well, that was my next question, is what is it, what do you, qualifying is different next year because it's not about getting a qualifying standard because the people who get the qualifying standard is only going to be the top four or five in the world. So it's about being within the top, I believe it's 32, it's 32 this year, in the rankings. You are currently 32, not only um, in the road to Doha, but you're 32 in the um, IFF rankings when you take out three per country. So you're exactly where you need to be. But the issue is going to be next year is the points you get are based not just on performance, but where you perform. So going to the World Championships and getting to the final would have given you a massive points boost to qualify for Tokyo. It it would have, unfortunately. Um, But um, yeah. So how How does an athlete go about making... Because if you've got a standard you've got to hit, at least you know what it is. When you've got a rankings place to preserve... How do you go about that? How do you get into meetings? How do you train? How do you plan your season around what meetings you can get into in order to get the points? It sounds very, it's just very confusing. Well, um, I think our indoor and outdoor home champs, Mm -hmm. winning those, you get quite a few points towards your point system. Yeah. But um, ultimately, I'm going to throw 1850. Yes. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people might think that sounds crazy that's considering this year was already so good. But um, believe it or not, this year, I didn't think was great. And everyone keeps telling me it was still good and this and that. But even 1783, when I released it out my hand, it wasn't good. Mm. Which I know sounds crazy. Like, I, I genuinely know that sounds crazy because that was a massive PB at the time. But I still walked over to my coach and was like man, I should have done this. Like it, what didn't feel like Berlin last summer when it was like, you know, you just, you just know when you release it and it's beautiful and you just spank it and it's like, Oh, so perfect. Um, but this, I didn't really feel that at all this year. Um, I mean, I think I was on the verge of it when I threw 1783. Um, but, um, I got sick for about three weeks soon after that, which really did like hinder my training and, um, was quite upsetting <laughs> for my season um and you know you you just you try and get back and I don't know I just I just don't think I quite found my throw this year I think I'm a better technician overall but I don't think I quite found the perfect one well that's great to so hear that gives me hope moving forward <laughs> yeah so just thinking about next year what is it that you need to do to get 1850 is it something you need to try different in training is it in technique is it nutrition is it your mental attitude what is it that you need to do to get those further distances um I think I'm happy that it's going to be a new year because after I was sick I feel like I might have rushed it a bit to come back if that makes sense yeah um you know you just you want to be back where you were and you're like oh I don't want to have the time off and da 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 um but yeah, I think I'll be happy to have, you know, a fresh start to the season. And also I think my technique, I think towards the end of the season, we were, we were really close to where it needed to be. Um, but we just, I didn't, I just hadn't quite pieced it together yet. Um, moving forward, I do know what we are working on though. So I feel like that's, as, as I've had my time off now, that's like all I've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, I'm definitely ready to attack that and perfect that and hope that that gives me, you know, that beautiful 1850 throw that I need. (laughs) Well, listen, we're all hoping exactly the same thing because no one's thrown 1850 in the UK since uh, off the top of my head. I'm going to say 
the mid nineties, and we've had not. I don't think we've had two shot putters go to any major championship since ninety three World Championships would be my guess. Um, so it's <laughs> we'll so, get ready for it next year. Exactly, and it's exciting. <laughs> and I think there's this uh, there's this kind of um, people think that only the sprints are interesting, or we only want to watch things. It's not true. Athletics fans... Well, I'm glad you think so. It's not true at all. Athletics fans, we love to watch everything. And back in the day when we had Tessa Sanderson and Fatima Whitbread throwing the javelin at each other sometimes, um, it was like (laughs) the biggest, most popular event there was. Same in the triple jump when Jonathan Edwards was setting a world record. Everyone's interested in the triple jump. When Jesse's winning and Denise are winning the heptathlon. These are not events that are particularly thought of as particularly sexy, exciting events necessarily. But when there's something to cheer for, we will cheer for you and we are 100% behind you. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. And we wish you all the best. And let's, we'll, be, we'll be there. We'll be cheering you on and hoping you for 18.50 and just get a ticket straight to Tokyo. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So Amelia Strickland is... Number one, she's American. I didn't know that. <laughs> so she came over, I mean, obviously, British parents. So mm. it's lovely to have her on board. Um, the shop, and we've said this a few times, the shop is one of those events that historically we've not been good at. Right now, we've got two verging on world-class shop putters. And we should be taking these people to be 13 centimetres off automatic qualifying, to be 32nd in the rankings, so you get an invite, and just be t- not even to be told no. Mm. Just to be like, oh, no, not interested, not coming. She is improved by 50 centimetres this year. Um, like she said, at the, at the Europeans last year, she wasn't expected to do anything and she qualified by setting a PB. If she threw, if she threw um, 1783, I think her best is, if she threw that at a championship, that is very likely to get you into a mm, final. 100%. And again, look ahead to Tokyo, think how much more room there is for improvement over the next 12 months, and she won't get that competition experience. But for me, it's even worse than that. Because don't forget, next year, Tokyo is based solely on IWF rankings. The qualifying for the shot put is 1850 or something, which not that many people are no. going to get. So after that, it's gone entirely on rankings. Where do you get the most rankings points? At the World Championships. Mm. So what we've done now is we've kneecapped people who potentially could have got good scoring points if they'd gone to the championships, if they miraculously got to the final or they'd done a PB, they're going to get more ranking points than they are getting at the Southern League. So we've handicapped our own athletes trying to get into Tokyo next year. But even someone like her is going to have trouble getting into high quality meetings anyway. So just the fact you've been to a World Championships, even if you didn't make it, surely that's going to look better on your resume Mm. to get into a better meeting than it is to say, you know, you won the Southern League. And also if you're in the shop put, you want all the exposure that you can get and all of the opportunities that you can be given because there just aren't that many gigs going for throwers. Just quickly, because Jodie miraculously actually seems to know about something. So Um, so next year, we know know it's done entirely on um, ranking points next year. So it's not entirely on ranking points. You've got the qualifying performance, but they're going to be really high. So only like the top 10 in the world are going to get it. That's for people who might have been injured, who, who can just do one performance and get in. So that's to make sure the top, top people do get in, even if they haven't been able to have five meetings and get enough ranking points. But after that, it's on ranking points. But my point, my question was going to be that it's still three per country though, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you've got to be in the top, depending on track, track events have more because they couldn't, it's, you couldn't have many more than um, 32 in a shot put because then you'd have to have a, competition of like 30 people yeah. just to qualify so I understand I understand the reasoning for that but Amelia is higher ranked in the world than other people on the British team 
who got in because yeah. they have done one fast race. Sometimes I'm not going to name names, but somebody isn't even on the world rankings this year. But they got an indoor time, which puts them just inside the mm. qualifying, and therefore they're getting the, and they're ranked outside the top hundred in the world outdoors this year because they haven't run or they only run the trials. So it's ridiculous that. It's just it's totally unfair. The lack of un- lack of communication, the lack of foresight, how people are qualifying next year. People have to really think about what they're doing to qualify because mm. this new thing. It's gonna. I don't know what day it finishes. The sixth of August or something. You someone could do something the night before, five minutes before midnight, and you get knocked out, and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's going to be this mad rush in the last week to try and get more and more performances, increasingly good performances. Which is exactly when you don't want to be doing it, because at that point you're presumably going to be like, resting before the chance. And it's not for manipulation as well. Britain has two, at least two. We yeah. might even have another, not Diamond League, but like high quality meet next year that's going to get high eyed of left points. We could go, oh, let's not invite that person because we don't want them getting more points. It might not one of our but people. also, out. as we always do, understandably, we stuff those meetings full of our own yeah. people, which, mm. which is, no, there's yeah, nothing wrong with doing that, but literally that's going to have huge implications. But, but, but people who are in South America and can't just come to the Diamond League, like, it's these people who come eighth at the Diamond League and they're going to get a lot of points Right. about people who can't get into a Diamond League. Do you know what we should do? Say this till next year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We've gone off on a tangent. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just annoyed about selection. Every year we manage something about selection. Mm. And it's... <clears> I, I understand we don't want to be taking people who are not going to perform. And I understand there's some older people who could have potentially got an invite who've been around for years and we didn't want to invite them. But young athletes who are improving all the time for, and all these people, for totally different reasons, haven't been invited and it's not fair. And I, mean, I know we complain, we've always complained about doing filling the teams... Either fill the team as much you can or make a really stringent thing. This is half half not half hearted, but like halfway house at the moment, isn't mm. there? It's really unclear and there's no communication. So some athletes who are understand to be very upset, frustrated, confused. But to end this, I think, in a representative and more positive way, ultimately actually a really good team. Yeah. One that we can really get our teeth into and we do our preview pod next week. And actually I think there's an awful lot of Podium potential. There is really there's an awful lot of podium potential, but we are going in for the first time in a long, long time that I can think of where we don't have your mo, we don't have your Jess, yeah. we, don't have your, we don't have your like standout nailed mm. on um, gold medalist, which makes the championship for us really exciting so because exciting. there's a few people there when we could come with no gold medals or we could come with five, couldn't mm. we? So. <laughs> five I beg to differ okay we can talk we'll talk about that next week we will talk about it next week and with I think it's time to have him as a mystery guest no longer (laughs) we are going to be joined next week in our Doha preview pod by Radzi from the BBC Athletics Nut and who is going to be reporting for uh, the Beeb out in Doha. He's flying on, I think, Wednesday and he's cramming in an evening of athletics with us. What a coup, Claire. I'm chuffed to bits that he agreed to come on. He's not an Proper easy man. Yeah, I know someone who actually might know stuff. <laughs> and I'm saying this right now, Bayo, you're going to have to kick the jet lag, you're going to have to be on time, you're going to have to have done your prep, we're going to have to do our prep as well. Is that we're Monday? going to shut ourselves up. Don't say it's that Monday, you know it's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> No, my point was I've got the whole weekend to, to sort oh, this out. Oh, perfect. Out. I thought you meant as in like, oh, shoot, because I'm 
I've got dinner plans on Monday. It's like, no, you don't. You've got Radzi plans. So Radzi will be coming on the pod. Radzi, if you're listening, um, well done for cramming this in before Monday. We cannot wait to have you. So we're going to chat about all the events. Absolutely. What we think is going to happen. And can we have a little competition where we've got to predict something? Yes. Yeah, yeah I was going to show I was, ourselves I was going to say that. So, well, I don't know, we'll, before Monday we'll come up with a, with a plan because we're not going to predict everything. That we're, no, 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 no. Can no. imagine how bored everyone would be? Well, I think so-and-so's going to be third in the hammer. That's <laughs> We'll have a little competition between ourselves and see who's good at predictions or something. Oh, it makes sense. I like exactly. it. Exactly. Clever. Clever. <laughs> I like it. Right, okay. Anyway, my name's Ben Williams, and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. Some final little bits of housekeeping to finish. I just wanted to do a shout-out to two half-marathon performances from the last couple of weeks. Ali Dixon not only ran a 50-kilometre world record in her first ever ultramarathon. <laughs> Sorry, 50 kilometres. Like, what? It's, it's only 8k further than the marathon. It sounds much further. Oh, Oh, mm. <laughs> oh that's not so, not so impressive. <laughs> it's only three hours, seven minutes and 20 seconds of running. Wow. But I was going to say, what an absolute Wonder Woman. And mm. then quite literally, <laughs> she dresses up as Wonder Woman at the Great North Run and break the world record for the fastest half marathon dress <laughs> as a superhero. It's niche, but we love it. Well done, Ali. And to Geoffrey Kamwara, who took 17 seconds off the previous half marathon world record in Copenhagen. My friend, who I saw just this morning, um, was at the Copenhagen half marathon and she spoke to him over breakfast. Um, didn't know who he was. She spoke to him at the coffee machine with, this is a ridiculous story, Mo Farah was getting a coffee next to this guy and she spoke to Mo Farah and said, oh, good luck today. And Mo said, oh no, I'm just pacing this guy. And she went, like, looked at this guy and was like, cool. <laughs> I got her coffee up back to her table and then saw him on the news that evening and realised that he's now the new world record holder. So well done to Ali and Jeffrey. Um, I just want to say a couple of great performances that we just, just really quickly mm. need to mention. Yulia Rojas jumped four, 15, 41 mm. or two or something. We complain a lot about how um, the women's triple jump is low. That is the second best of all time. She still doesn't know how to step. She can jump she's, 16 metres when she gets it together. We've said this for like three, four years now. She's a mess. I mean, come on. <laughs> she, she's a, no, but seriously, I mean, if that girl gets it together, she is going to literally jump out the pit. You yeah. know, she's, we're talking, I think, way over six. Because there's a lot big chunks to be had in the triple jump, yeah. isn't it? If you saw, mm. we just think when, when Jonathan Edwards got it right, he improved by like a metre, you know? She has got way more than that to go. There's going to come a day when someone gets her hands on it properly, sorts her out, she's going to be way up at 60 metres and it's really good to see that um, it's, she's finally heading that direction. And one other person, obviously I've forgotten his name, who is the 2012 Olympic 400 metre champion? Karani James. Karani James. Karani James. Karani James. James. James is back. James is back. 44-40 something. Yeah. Um, do you? I feel a little bit like. Do you remember when Christine ran fifty point five in, in yeah. Osaka? Be afraid. Be afraid. I love Karani James. Yeah. And I would absolutely oh. love him to come and win. Uh, especially because the men's four hundred at the moment is just all over the place. Yeah. You know, and I'd love to have someone come back and be the, the star of the event. Oh, wouldn't it be great if it were Karani? <laughs> right, we'll get in on our betting websites now. <laughs> <laughs> it would also be great if you could leave us a review on whichever podcast platform you use to enjoy the Backstreet Boys and Girl. We are going to be giving out a bumper package to the person who leaves us. Well, any review really will take anything. We had our first one-star review recently. Did we? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, they didn't leave a comment, but someone. I think it could be a rival. I think they put my finger slipped. Ah, there we go. I finger think slipped. it was Matt Wood. <laughs> <laughs> 
But please do leave us a review. It really does help other people discover the pod. And my goodness, do we love reading them. They are great. So please do keep them coming. You can... Sorry, just again, we've sent a couple out in the last week or so. There's still people who we have given shout-outs to who haven't got in contact with us one way or the other. So please do. There's stuff waiting for you. Mm, I need more space in my bedroom. So if I could send some of those satchels out soon, (laughs) that would be great. You can get in touch with us as well on social media if that tickles your fancy. I'm at Claire underscore G Thomas and someone please... At Backstraight B. Or on Instagram... Backstraight Boys Podcast. The content is genuinely really good. Jodie and Bear are <laughs> slaying the Insta game, so give us a follow. Mm. Oh, come on, it's pretty good. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to this edition. We'll be back very shortly. Yeah. Feet Radzi to preview Doha. Bye. Bye.